0: hidden gems hidden gems hidden gems hidden gems well bless your ears baby i listen to hidden gems every night before i go to bed i listen to hidden gems in the kitchen
1: hidden gems
0: what's up today on hidden gems we're joined by rich shipley rich is from the dallas texas area and we're going to talk about his journey he's currently a trainer entrepreneur he's the rhythm guru so we're gonna dive into his story and get into his basketball knowledge and what he has to share with us today. Rich, how you doing? I'm doing great.
1: Thank you so much for having me on this prestigious podcast. I've been looking yes, forward to getting on and talking with you.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. So we'll just start from the top. We'll kind of go through your journey. That's kind of the format that we've done is kind of getting to know the guests and then you know expanding from there. So if you could kind of walk us through, you know, you played at Cal Poly Division One. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great career, had a big NCAA tournament. Can you just kind of walk us through from high school at Hebron and then yeah. how it went from there? You had Ball is Life, mixtapes. you had it really rolling coming out of high school. Oh yeah, it was a unique
1: <laughs> timing for everything, but I started off in the Plano area, I uh, grew up in Plano, I actually attended Shepton, which feeds into Plano West uh, my freshman year. Um, right. I ended up playing uh, freshman on varsity over there at West, um, making a good run into the high school tournament um as a freshman and then after that you know decided the best move for me was about 8 minutes down the street in a new neighborhood <laughs> new school so ended up going 3 years at Hebron playing varsity all 3 years there uh going to a program you know that really wasn't known in the area for basketball per se they were a really powerhouse football program and uh right. Plano West had a had a real solid basketball program at the time so it was a little confusing for people, you know, to, to see me make that change. But when you got to do what's best for yourself, it's uh, not always looked at as the easy thing to do. So I um, made that right, change. Totally. And, and went to, went to a program that, you know, I just finished uh, 0 and 10 in district, you know, didn't even win a game and I uh, was really struggling to even make playoffs. Um, so I thought it would be a, a fun program, uh, t- you know, to, to change and be the, uh, be, be a big part of it. And so I ended up getting my senior year where, you know, I came into a program that went 0-10 in district, and I left the program uh, going 10-0. We uh, had the longest win streak in program history, won 33 games, you know, was ranked 12th in the country by Max Preps. Uh, we were number two in the state behind DeSoto, who we knocked off in the third round of playoffs. Um, and then, uh, you know, went five rounds deep in the tournament, which is uh, the furthest he- Hebron has gone, and uh, missed a buzzer beater. Sadly, against South Grand Prairie, um, my buddy Ben Amalugu. Um shout out Ben, he went to SMU and Virginia Tech, um, but, but yeah, we did uh, pretty well. From there, you know, I started getting on the scene a little bit my senior year with, you know, Ball's Life and, and those type of people. I, I was never really ranked, or I never went to any camps, I never, definitely didn't get invited to anything. Um, I think I paid my way to one camp, like my sophomore year of high school in Beaumont, Texas. That's about the only camp I ever been to. Like I said, never really ranked or anything like that. Just kind of kept my nose down and stayed in the gym. My junior year summer, played with the Texas Titans AAU team. So we played in the EYBL. I got a lot of experience and exposure there,
0: right? Um, for sure. You know,
1: which which started bringing in coaches and and colleges. So really, after that junior year summer, going into my senior year, uh, made the decision to commit early and sign early to Cal Poly, a decision that I don't regret, but I'll say looking back at it that if you believe in yourself, um, you know, and you think you can go play at a higher level, then don't let the colleges talk you into um, signing early. You know, at that point, people didn't even think I could play Division One basketball. So, you know, a lot of people wanted me to play it safe and, and sign and commit while I had the offers. Um, all I did, and they didn't look at it as, you know, he's a high major guy he needs to just wait until he gets those offers it was just kind of like oh you got mid-majors you got ivy leagues right right, jump on it yeah yeah you better jump on it now because you know they're going to take those away from you so ended up pulling the trigger there you know which started its own domino effect and went to a culture once again that wasn't necessarily known for basketball but Mm -hmm. was a great great school academically you know i just uh had a pretty good year the year before i got there and so I came into the program, you know, really wanting to change the culture once again. And, you know, how to work my way as a freshman to get on the court. Wasn't I had no plan on redshirting. Um, my plan was to play. My plan was to start. Um, right. But, yeah. You know, once you get to college and you get to any level, you're always going to deal with politics. You're always going to deal with seniority. You're going to deal with players right. older than you.
0: You're starting um, at the bottom.
1: Yeah. You got to work your way up. It didn't matter. Literally, nobody cared that I was on Ball's life. Live. Nobody cared that I did anything in high school. You know, on my official visit, I, mean, I remember people were just telling me, like, until you do something at the college level, like, we don't care. And so, yeah. I was like, all right. You know, I took that challenge. And again, just stayed in the gym, worked hard man, worked for my opportunity to get more minutes at the end of my freshman season and you know i was going from playing maybe like 12 minutes a game you know something like that my freshman year to to the end of the year i had a meeting with my coach and he told me he's going to give me uh, some more opportunity for the end of the year tournament which was the big west tournament and mm-hmm. uh, he said you know we're looking to give you about 20 minutes a game and uh, he gave me that opportunity and i took advantage of it probably average 12 13 points four assists in those three games and um fortunately the last game I had 11 of our 14 points in the last half of the game, and I uh, hit the game winning shot for us to have our first berth into the NCAA tournament. So, um, that's, was that's fortunate, awesome. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be in the right spot at the right time, and actually had a, our senior captain dish out the rock to me. You know, I was expecting him to want to take that shot, but he found yeah. me open on the wing, stepped into a top the key three, knocked it down, and, and then had one of my roommates and uh, one of my good friends, Zach Gordon, take a charge the next play. And that sealed the deal for us to get to the tournament. So freshman year, man, it was exciting. We went to the tournament first time in school history, you know, really had the city buzzing and uh, went to the playing round in Dayton, Ohio, where we uh, beat Texas State for technically that first round win. So uh, right. Another uh, another check off the box there, and then uh, then unfortunately we uh, ended up playing Wichita State, who was thirty two and zero at the time, the next round, and uh, they 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 got us pretty good by I think they dubbed us, you know. Yeah, so. that's
0: a tough matchup. And we're, yeah, we're gonna put matchup. that clip up of that conference tournament, the NCAA tournament game, if we can get a hold of it. That that was a really special game for anybody to watch. Can you backtrack a little bit and kind of talk about your kind of struggle that you went through as a freshman and like a lot of players go through this is like getting over that hump of kind of continuing to push when they're facing like a limit on their playing time and a minute reduction and even if they are proving it in practice how how do you continue to go about your days knowing that you might not get your chance and just to keep pushing
1: well I can't say that I went through it you know at the time the best way because I didn't understand everything like I do now. But at the time, I I just continued to play with the chip on my shoulder. And I try to not use that as like the answer to give people I don't think that playing with a chip on your shoulder 24 seven is the best way to go because you really don't experience much happiness. You know, you really kind of put the world against you. And that's kind of how I did it. But I mean, just like what you said, it didn't really matter how well I was practicing. I mean, It didn't. I remember every single time, you know, the second team, which was the gold team, would beat the green team, and that was the starting five. And I remember being part of all those victories in practice. You know, when it wasn't really. um, I mean, the next three years when I was, you know, on the green squad, I mean, gold team barely beat us. You know, so when when I was on that gold team, I was the one, and my teammates obviously were were always trying to to upset that green team, you know, so the coaches can see.
0: Go,
1: um, at so him. It, Yeah, yeah. It was it was frustrating when because you, you don't want to root against your teammate. You know, you don't want to the person in front of you to fail, even though you know that you feel like you're a better fit for the position. It, it's, right. it's a tough it's a tough push and pull battle, and I think that's kind of where where you have your faith or your support system or whatever that helps you personally. That's kind of what you got to cling on to the most because you can continue to put in the work every day, like I did. And literally nothing will change. The only thing that can change is your attitude and the mental side. And for me, I just I just kind of just built up a chip and just kind of built this fire about it. And I'm not saying that's the best way to go. I think maybe at that time I could have clung a little bit more to my faith or I could have reached out to my family a little bit more and kept them. And conversation and, and and not be so frustrated yeah. with what's going on but no yeah so but yeah. that's
0: interesting that you say that because i mean the last podcast that we had we had sam Lamone, he's the video content creator for pure sweat and drew hanlon and he talked about the the chip on his shoulder and how he kind of not brought that upon himself but continued to to push with the chip on his shoulder because it worked as a motivation for him and he also talked about as you achieve success, it's not necessarily healthy to continue to put that chip on your shoulder. Oh, but that's cool. Him, it definitely helped propel him. And another yeah. thing we talked about was, you know, putting in the work in, knowing that it might not reap any rewards at the time. And that's definitely something that you had to deal with, too.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I respect kind of had the same realization that I did about how healthy and unhealthy a chip on your shoulder can be. So That's interesting to hear. Um, but yeah it was constantly putting in that work and you know that was just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what you have to go through as a college athlete and as a player and especially someone that thinks so highly of himself on the court I mean your your coaches are not going to view you the way that you do you know they're they're gonna pick and choose what they want to view and 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 that's a that's a tough battle and that's something that I had to deal with I went to a program where they were not known to have you know scoring point guards they weren't really known to have a hybrid kind of point guard. Right. Um and the and the coach that brought me in actually left the program before I got there. So that kind of can make things a little tricky because I can't transfer and not sit out a year because the associate head coach leaves. If the head coach leaves, I can transfer and not sit out a year, but if right. the associate head coach leaves, I still have to stay or I have to transfer and sit out a year. And that, wasn't you what honor what that I was You got right? to honor that, right? Yeah. So that a lot of people didn't know about that and what that did was that just made me kind of on an island by myself. I didn't really have my mm-hmm. coach there that recruited me to say, "Look, this is what he does. This is how he plays every right. day." Like and he I didn't think a lot of
0: guys don't realize that going into college, how much of a difference the coaches make for you, and specifically like the coach that's riding for you, bringing you in. Yeah. Lead.
1: The head coach is dealing with so many different players. Like he's got to recruit large to bigs. You know, so he's not gonna always know everything about your game you know he can be a like I could be a great college point guard and just pass the ball and that would have worked just fine for my coach but that's not the type of player I was Um, right
0: exactly
1: and and so that's kind that's kind of tough to deal with
0: yeah and I mean it's not necessarily biased but I mean these coaches that bring you in are fighting for you so if there's another coach bringing in his guy you got to deal with that too. So there's a lot of dynamics. And talking about, oh, go ahead. I
1: had pretty much three, almost four guards that came in with me. And, you know, and they were all, like you said, they were all recruited by a different coach. So they're all going to battle for, you know, the player that they brought in. And I had about two of the guards leave after my first year that, you know, I, I, in my head, I was battling against the senior, you know, for the starting position. And, you know, there's a couple other guys there that were just battling for minutes and
0: yeah so that was, yeah.
1: that was tough you're going to come in with a group of your own position that's what people most people don't understand they don't recruit like guards and bigs at the same time they kind of go in groups they go groups of guards groups of wings groups of forwards and they have them going like that so you're constantly competing you don't you don't get to go to campus and you're like yeah i got this scholarship i got this division one scholarship it's about to go now well you you're you still got to compete to even you're just getting minutes. started yeah, yeah like it's it's a whole different story and then and then uh, a year later you're going to start seeing the next round of guards that come in and then <laughs> you're going to have to start dealing with them and you know it's a it's a battle it's a very stressful environment man I'll tell you Constant. it is
0: yeah
1: it's a con- and, oh
0: and, and everybody can hoop I mean everyone to some can extent. hoop. yeah
1: yeah at the division 1 level everyone is and even at the division 2 level D2 I mean we played D2 and uh NAIA schools every preseason and every preseason, I'm like, dude, these guys are pretty good. <laughs> like, right. They're <laughs> going to give us a run for our money if we don't play very well. And, like, every year, I mean, we win these games by single-digit points, like, against these really good D2 programs or NAIA programs. And I'm just like, it, people don't understand. At all levels, people can really hoop. And it's, it's, you've got to understand, like, it's a, a blessing. And you are lucky to some extent to have this opportunity because um, a lot of people can be in your position or can fill your position.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Talking about your game a little bit, um, you just mentioned it. You you are a scoring point guard, and you do have a style that's unique to Ridge Shipley. Can you kind of give us an idea of how you kind of developed that and how you made your game through high school and college, through the work that you put in and the approach that you took? Mm Because shooters – approach their workouts differently I know that you put Mm -hmm. a lot of work in can you talk about the way that you went about your process
1: yeah so it started at a young age obviously for my skill development and you know at first my shot was was like the first thing that I ever really worked on I loved pistol Pete so I was doing a lot of his stuff so I still love dribbling the basketball I love making good passes but the first thing that I was ever known for was shooting the ball and you know kind of having that stereotype of, being you know, you know, that white boy shooter. And from there, I just, I wanted to break every stereotype someone had for me. So from there, I was like, okay, I can shoot the ball really well. Like now I want to be the best ball handler on the court. Now what? Yeah. You know, how, so how do I do that? And so I put in the work, put in the time, you know, and this isn't like, this is what I try to explain to people now, just cause you're in season, like, and you have a long practice with your team, that's not like that's not where it stops like you can't go no full yeah season with not working on skill development because these high school coaches and these college coaches they don't specialize in developing players there are very few coaches that are in that power position that actually know how to develop players yeah. skillfully
0: so and there's people- days i mean you practice you might you think you're getting reps in and you think that you're continuing oh i'm in the gym i have a ball in my hand you might get 11 shots one day yeah that's not enough
1: yeah it was you know they started in elementary school and and a lot of it goes to my parents um you know i was getting up shots before i went to elementary school at 5 a.m every morning my mom would be out there rebounding through middle school same thing i did work out at 5am 5 5:30 before middle school would even start then i would go to school practice i mean it was a constant grind and i it's hard to talk about the grind now because i'm like holy cow like i grinded so hard like i could not grind honestly as hard as i had my entire life like if i wanted to pick up that right. type of grind today <laughs> like i could not do that bro like i've got to do it smarter now and so back yeah. then it was just being in the gym all the time being at the rec center, you know, five, six, seven hours playing pickup, playing against the older guys. Um, but going back to um, just kind of building up my skill set, I, I just wanted to keep on breaking those stereotypes. So I ended up getting my handle down pretty well and, and working on that. And then it was the next comment after that was his athleticism. And then, man, like once you tell me one thing, it's, it's I'm, I'm going to make sure I make you change your mind. So then I got my, my athleticism up. You know, I spent about two years through the heroes practice facility out there in South Dallas uh, with this trainer, Clint, and uh man just worked on, worked on my bird and my lateral quickness speed for almost two years. And then after that, it was like, well, what, what about his defense? You know, he, he's gotta be a good defender. And then, you know, you don't, you don't really have to put in a lot of time for defense. Obviously you need to be a somewhat of an athlete, but really it's just mental and kind of, how you read a defender and using your offensive IQ to be a really good defender. So how to make that switch. Um, and when I got to college and, you know, I was one of the few things that my coach um, actually helped me on. And he just said, man, if you can score the ball like you can, you got to use that same type of mindset as a defender and, and shut someone down. So um, yep. it was a con. And the higher
0: level that you get the more that, you know, that offensive IQ and the understanding of the game helps you on defense, for sure.
1: Oh, so much. And I, I realized how much of greater a defender I could be when I started just playing these guys and realizing, man, I know all the moves, you know, like, right. I, mean, yeah. I want to, I, how would a defender make me uncomfortable? And that's what I think. It's very rare that a defender could actually make me uncomfortable, but I would go, what would make me uncomfortable? And then I would do that to other players. And it's really just kind of throwing off their timing, um, understanding yeah. when their next dribble is going to happen, when their dribble yeah, the, comes up, how you can. So it was pretty much just a constant development for me, you know, especially coming out of high school where I was averaging almost three threes a game, you know, shooting close to 45 percent from the three point line, you know, yeah. and then getting to college and having, you know, your college coach tell you you're not allowed to shoot off the dribble. Um, it, it throws you off a little bit, so. For sure. Um, I kind of had to work my way up again to to think that I was a shooter. You know, I kind of lost my identity for a second, um, and, and kind of lost that same confidence that I had. I was like, I can't think about it. Like, oh, you shot forty five percent in high school. Oh, like that's different than college, Ridge. Yeah, well, it's a whole I mean, new game. I, I I get that to a certain extent, and then I tell myself like, I don't even think about the defender, anyways. So it's like it's really just me hitting shots um, and I needed to do that. And it it just it threw me off a little bit with my coaches and kind of what they were telling me, because I'm a literal person. You know, when you tell me, do not shoot off the dribble, if I'm open and I'm off the dribble, I should never question myself shooting it. But I started questioning myself a lot. My percentages went down from the three point line. And in return, I actually learned how to score the ball around the rim. (laughs) way better. Right. And so something that I was not really able to do in high school because of my size, I was able to do at the college level and realize, you know, I was shooting over 40 percent in the paint as, you know, five foot 11 point guard, you know, and that was that was up there with our bigs. And right. and that was something that I was actually told by my coach that I wouldn't be able to do. So once again, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a, a little rocky ride with your coach. So you know, maybe don't be as literal as I am. That probably hurt me a little bit more mentally. I took everything very literally and personally, but I I grew, my game continued to grow. Like I tell people now, like my game now, who I am as a basketball player, I think is 20 times better than I was in high school and five times better than I was in college. Like, I feel like my game is just consistently improved because when you stay in the gym, and you just continue to learn how the game is played. And you, you just start to see, like, man, the game just slows down the more you play. it, And that's why you see these guys in the NBA that are still in the NBA that are moving slow. It, just, it doesn't matter anymore. They figure it out. Like, this, this right. isn't just a how athletic are you type game. This is a who's smarter type game. How can you get someone to move at, in the angle that you want? How can you use your body, you know, more effectively than the other guy? And that's kind of what it's come down to now. But athleticism just, it just helps. Just a lot of those guys don't have the IQ that goes with it. Yeah,
0: and you finished out your career at Cal Poly. It was it was really successful, and then moving yeah. out of that, can you kind of walk us through? You know, G League. You know, oversee yeah. the cross <clears> the path that you went through and the decisions that were tough that you had to make. Yeah,
1: so I um, I finished out all all conference at Cal Poly. I have to specify and say it was second team all conference, which really really <laughs> bugs me. Um, but it's, it's hard to be first team all conference when your team finishes seventh place, you know, and yeah. the, the only thing that makes me feel better is, is, is that's the only reason why I wasn't first team. And so I'll hold that personally, um, but finished out all conference, uh, signed with a JCK sports group. Um, my agent, Dewey Hawkins, and, um, pretty much, uh, their focus was to get me a job overseas and, and I was going along with that, you know, like, Oh, you know, it's pretty much kind of the mindset since I got to college was like, Oh, I'll go overseas. Like that will work out, you know, which originally my mindset was, I want to go to the NBA and that's been my mindset my whole life. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, getting in that process and talking to these coaches in Germany and, Slovakia and Alba Spain, and all these different countries. I fortunately, it finally worked out in my career a little bit. You know, with with my ethnicity, I actually kind of lucked out because there are some countries that prefer a Caucasian point guard. So, first time in my career that <laughs> did my ethnicity actually work out for me a little bit. Um, yeah. so I, I definitely got a lot of opportunities to go overseas. Um, I actually signed a contract to Slovakia to play, and uh, the next morning um, I got an email from the director of operations with the uh, South Bay Lakers, which is the G League affiliate for the Los Angeles Lakers, and they uh, invited me for a private workout. At that point, man, I was I was like, well, this is my dream, you know, G League, NBA, anything involved with NBA is is what I originally decided to play basketball for. I didn't. These are other people that told me that overseas would be a good fit for me, so. Ended up actually canceling my contract, really pissing off the agency I signed with. Didn't really like the kind of vibes they had. Kind of just seemed like they wanted me to, you know, they're doing me a favor by even getting me a contract overseas. And at that point, I'm like, okay, you guys, you know, you just watch, you know, just watch the show here. You know, I'm, I'm going to play my game. You know, I'm tired of you guys telling me where you think I should be. You guys haven't put in the work that I have, right? You know, so I went to this private workout i um, in L.A., had a good workout, made a, made a couple good impressions on the coaches. They told me they'd get back to me for the G League draft. So when I went back to Dallas, um, got a few opportunities with the Texas Legends, went through a private workout, played pretty well, got called back for another workout, did pretty well. They told me again, uh, wait, a, wait a month for the G League draft. During that time, they call uh, the legends called me into to play um, against a few China teams from the CBA. So I yeah. played a couple games with them over the summer, and then uh, again waited uh, to the G League draft. And then you know, a day before the G League draft, both teams reached out, said I was you know on their top five list, and uh, they're not sure if I'll be able to get drafted or not. They didn't get drafted. You know, a little frustrated. I thought it was going to work out with the legends. My sister had just made the dance team for them. And oh, I really? was like, oh, man, this is all falling into place. This is crazy. Um, but didn't work out. You know, their biggest thing was, you know, how is your size going to translate at the NBA level? And uh, what was frustrating to me is that that doesn't really answer the questions of what's happening now and, like, what I did on the court now.
0: Right, because they're jumping on ceilings and potential instead of actual Performance.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of where I've been frustrated in most of my career is like, what can you guys just judge me on what I'm actually doing? Because you can bring up how will this, how will that, but then at the same time, you're missing the answer. The answer is I'm my IQ is through the roof. I know how to use my body well. I know how to get around defenders. I know how to draw offensive fouls. I know how to make other people foul me. Like those mm-hmm. are the things that you should be paying attention to and understanding that we get the ball back. We're getting more possessions with me on the court. People might think that there is a mismatch, but how come in the two games that i played with you guys, not one time that I get posted up? So those those are things that are kind of frustrating. Um, but uh, again, they said, hey, you know, if you go over to the NBL in Canada and you have a good year there, you know, we'll have you come back here and, and try something out for our summer league team just to see how your size works out there. Because NBL is a, there's a great league in Canada, really good sized players, you know, just a step below down the NBA. So um, I got invited to go to training camp for the Halifax Hurricanes, which is in Nova Scotia. And they're the probably the top one or two teams in the NBL. They had just won two of the last three championships there the previous years. And um, so I was going out there to fight for Originally it was, there was three spots available. Um, before I got on the plane to head out there, then by the time I landed, they said there was only one spot available. And yeah, you know, it's
0: there, cut was, for sure. <laughs>
1: there was 20 guys out there um, at a training camp, trying to get for that one spot. got through all training camp, made it through the first two rounds of cuts, got to our inner squad scrimmage, um, where I started for the white squad. I mean, I think I had like 14, five and three. On record, played better than every guard they had out there. On record, the starting point guard did not want any smoke and set <laughs> out. So whoever hears that, they can let him know that. And I'm pretty pissed off about it. But um, <laughs> so the, after the game, which my team won, they said, "Look, we'll give you we'll give you a call around seven thirty, eight o'clock, whether or not you're uh, going home. And then if you don't get a call, then uh, get ready for practice the next day. It gets to about seven thirty, eight o'clock. I get no call. Super excited with my roommate, like we made the squad. Uh, got a call at 9 o'clock, come down to the front, uh, front of the hotel, go down there, sit with the coach, told me I wish we uh, didn't have the situation that we currently have right now. And I can't tell you that you're not good enough to play for this team because I think you're good enough to play for any team here in the league. But uh, we have a 31-year-old vet and uh, we have a seven-year vet returner. You know, we're 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 not gonna go with the youth right now. So uh, we'll stay in touch. But here's your plane ticket home. Wow. Have a safe trip. You know, so that was tough wow. again. You know, being turned down. Not for what I'm actually doing, but for stuff out of my control. Um, and yeah, that one hurt. For sure. That one hurt me a little bit. Not gonna lie, that that one was tough because uh, I needed that to get back to the G League. And so when I came back from there, I was like, I need to regroup mentally. I need to acknowledge the things that I've been through through college. I need to acknowledge the things that I've been through with my head coach. I need to acknowledge the things that I've been through with this culture of basketball. And a lot right. of stuff and was and your unsettling. body had taking
0: a toll at that oh, time. Oh yeah.
1: Mentally, physically, and spiritually all have taken a toll. And at that point, you know what? I was like, I'm going to stop trying to pursue this right now. Not that I'm giving up, but just that I, I need to need to figure some things out, you know, and understand why this isn't working the way I want it to. Um, right. And so after I got back from Canada, I mean, my agent still had jobs for me um, to go play uh, overseas. Like I turned down another two jobs, told him, you know, this isn't working out for a reason right now. Obviously, I can play overseas, so it doesn't feel like that's what my calling is for um, because that's too obvious. It is too easy almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But at the same time, I didn't realize how tough it was to go out there. I didn't realize how hard it was to get jobs. I didn't realize how many great basketball players don't even have that chance. So I I felt it was a blessing at the end of the day to have those opportunities. But again, people don't know that environment overseas. They don't know how cutthroat it is over there. They don't know the lack of physical treatment that you get. And at this point in time, you know, my body's pretty beat up. Still didn't miss any seasons, never redshirted, never had a medical redshirt. I pretty much have played 15 years straight of competitive basketball at a high level um, and being the undersized guy for every team. And through those 15 years, um, about eight of those years, I was in physical therapy, For my back, hips, and knee, and then about 60 of those years, I was on heavy drugs that were anti-inflammatories or painkillers. And so my body had a lot to tell me, and I needed to spend a little bit of time listening to that before continuing to, you know, break myself down. Um, And that's kind of where the the innovation and, and just the passion and the energy for training and teaching and doing it in an unorthodox fashion and in a creative way just filled up most of my time and my mental space. And, and then from there, bro, I haven't looked back and I really don't have an itch to, to go prove people wrong anymore. I don't have this itch to seek validation that I was seeking. I don't have that kind of vulnerability of like wanting to be, have that approval. And it feels so good. It's a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I told myself two years ago, you know, either they're going to let me in on the court as a player, or they're going to bring me in to teach their players because I feel like I'm that special to where you can't just keep overlooking me. You know, I do have something special to offer, whether it's teaching or being a player. Right. And, for sure. And I just think the way that I play the game is so unique and the way that I view it and and the way that I feel about things and how I can express myself on the court and how I don't have to shoot 15 shots to get 20 points. And um, or how I don't need to score 20 points to to be a huge impact on a game. How I can read the defense and, and read the the energy of my team and and kind of be a general on the floor. That's the only thing that I that I miss is kind of being that quarterback. You know, being able to right. to call the plays and all that. But yeah, that that kind of brought me to where I am today. And, and that's, that's kind cool. of teach teaching the game. And I'm um, just learned a lot of valuable lessons and. Um, have just grown so much from my
0: experience. and That's an interesting know. theme that we've had on this podcast is we've had a lot of guests from different areas and everybody's kind of found this fulfillment in not necessarily being the player on the court because there's so much you can do in basketball outside of, you know, grinding every day on the court um, and playing yourself. And a lot of people find even more fulfillment pouring into other people. And that's what you're doing right now with this training. Can you talk a little bit about being the rhythm guru and kind of your approach Mm -hmm. to training that is unique that you just mentioned, kind of what it's meant to you to be able to pour back into other people the way that you've grown as a player?
1: Yeah. Well, I just think I am so special and (laughs) I believe in myself (laughs) so much in everything that I do. You know, obviously I've had influence in my career. I had a trainer I was with, Jerome Vaden, for 15 years um, that I was in the gym with and worked on my shot, my craft. Worked uh, with Tyler Rowe for about four to five years and uh, learned learned a lot from him on and off the court. Um, so I've had some people influence me. I've been lucky to have them in my life. Um, but mainly the stuff that I that I do kind of comes from my own headspace, and my own creativity. And and, and that's kind of a, an orthodox way to teach and connect with the youth. Um, and right. I pretty much just use my experiences as you know being in training sessions and seeing people train and seeing people coach and kind of finding you know how can you connect a little bit better or I was a little confused on how they taught me this way and I'm pretty much I'm trying to find a universal way to teach kids and that's um, teaching them how to the ability to time and feel the basketball differently it doesn't matter what crazy stuff you work on or moves or combos or anything any trainer can teach, if they don't have the feeling, it'll never be used effectively. So I just feel like a lot of training and teaching is done that's not as effective as it could be. And so that's not to say these trainers aren't doing a great job. I think everyone's doing an amazing job.
0: Right. You're just bringing something different to the table.
1: Yeah. I think that there's just a few details that if they were covered, then you would see a a lot more translation from what people are teaching. Because I think a lot of parents get frustrated and like how does this translate or why isn't my son doing this in the game and you know he's learning all these cool, cool moves but he doesn't use them and my biggest thing is that they just don't have a feeling for the ball because you shouldn't think to do these moves they have to yeah, come I'm gonna nat- do this naturally well, yeah. yeah it's got it it's you know i don't think that steph and kyrie and some of these guys think about the combinations they do their breath yeah, it's a reaction. amazing to watch yeah. and it is a reaction right and so pretty much what i try to teach is kind of that timing and that Uh, the ability to to react to a defender and what I just, it's called like cutting off your concentration from the ball. So like pretty much I like to try to take your concentration. I try to take away your attention from the ball as much as I can during my sessions. And I use hand claps. I use footwork. I use stuff in between your dribble to break your concentration, to break your attention. Um, And if you can continue to do that, then you can learn to dribble the ball subconsciously, you know, then you're able to start playing with more flow and that's kind of what I specialize in is getting players into flow state. and I don't, and I don't think there's a right. trainer in the world that is specializing in that, and I'm the first one to say it. And anyone else that wants to hop on board holler at me, but the rhythm guru was the first one to bring flow state to this world. And, uh, <laughs> you heard it up, here. We're going to practice it, and we're going to get better on it. People don't understand the value of flow. People talk about right. it a lot as motion to flow with the ball and have flow. But they don't understand the science behind flow state and what that actually means and what's happening with the inside of your body when you achieve flow state. And and so much goes into it mentally and physically. So whether it's your breath control or it's your mind control or it's your body control there's so much I've to actually, down, I've, there's actually there's an
0: interesting podcast it's called mind body hoops and they had a, a really cool podcast about meditation and flow state and just being on the oh, court cool. how it's all connected so I'll put that link up too and check that out all right before yeah. I get you out of here I'm going to run through a speed round and then I'll let yeah. you go question number 1 not really a question tell us about king and water and what it's done for you
1: okay king and water it's changed my life company anajik um, makes these amazing machines they create alkaline ionized microclustered water. What these machines do is is they make a, a such a clean source of water for you, and people don't understand how important it is and pretty much any injury or ailment or you know generic disease that any human is dealing with, you know there's a huge percentage chance that it's caused from a lack of hydration and A lot of us deal with chronic dehydration, and that's how a lot of injuries and and ailments come about. So I've taken my water source very seriously, made an investment on a machine. It's changed my life from the inside out. Gets water that's water, awesome. rain to your to your bones lubricates lubricates you at a cellular level and so big shout out to king and man if anyone's interested hit me up changed my life uh, on and off the court
0: that's dope number two what's one piece of advice if you could narrow it down just to tell growing basketball players aspiring basketball players whether that's taking care of your body or your approach on the court <laughs> mentally spiritually
1: piece of advice i would give is whew, i would say mentally if there was if, if there is a, a way to prepare yourself mentally to kind of know what you're going through. And so that advice would be talk to someone credible, talk to as many credible people as you can find and hear their experiences. So whether it's hearing me talk or tell you something or another player that's been through those experiences, it, it, a lot of people, including myself, grew up and they got advice from people that didn't go through those experiences.
0: So it's very right. those
1: people. Those people are trying to do good in your life but they didn't experience it. So they're not necessarily right. getting the right information. So yeah, that's, the more
0: success and experience you can surround yourself with, the better off you'll be for sure. Yeah.
1: hundred uh,
0: percent. Last question. What's next for the rhythm guru? What's next for Rich oh, Shipley?
1: Man. Okay. What's next is tough. I got a lot. So I've got a website being built right now. It should be done in about one to two weeks from there. I want uh, my website to have information about my teaching methods Um, where they can learn more, drills that they can do, get my clothing line started. Um, The clothing line is going to be a part of the Rhythm Guru, but it's going to have a separate message. So it will be really focused around this acronym NDA, which just means no doubt allowed. And it's just something that throughout the process of being a basketball player and wanting to go pro and then starting your own business, the only way you'll really be able to get through this Is to have no doubt. Uh, When that doubt creeps in, um, that's when a lot of negative things can happen. So, clothing brand should be coming up soon. Gear y'all have never seen before. I used to go by Swaggy Shipley before Rhythm Guru. So I'm a trendsetter, um, (laughs) modern day philosopher, influencer,
0: um, influencer, trainer, player of all
1: things. So I'm gonna have that online stuff set up. The website should be sick. Doing a little work for my buddy, Dave Nawabo with the Nets, uh, running director of ops for him. And then, uh, you know, I, I want the big picture thing is to, is to start an academy. So wherever my investors are, whether they're in the Central Coast or in Dallas, putting in the groundwork and, and putting in the work that it takes to open up an academy. And that's uh, and that's when we start to go, go big time. Um, but from there, it's going to be a journey. Um, I've got a pretty crazy surgery coming up in January. Uh, I don't know if I've talked to you much about it, but I'm actually finally getting comfortable enough to talk to the public about it, but I'm having a surgery on my jaw. It's a surgery i wanted to have for over six years now, never been able to get it because it requires me to be out of physical contact and activity for six months. Right. Um, and I'm doing that, uh, first week of January. And so I'll be recovering after that smile is going to be gorgeous and be ready, for the, <laughs> ready for the cameras, ready for, uh, there you ready go. for everything. So,
0: awesome. you know, well, appreciate you, man. You got a lot ahead and we're excited to see what's next.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you, Justin. And for, for all the listeners out there, I know there's millions of you. Um, <laughs> Justin is a, is a great is a great guy on and off the court, extremely smart, creative. Um, I've enjoyed having him in the gym with me. A few times that we've been able to spin together, he, he definitely pushes the envelope as far as creativity goes and, and what's possible on the basketball court. I think he's got an extremely bright future, you know, whether it's his trick shots or it's him being a, a basketball player or trainer or, or influencer or podcaster. Whatever Justin's going to do, he's going to be successful. So all y'all millions of listeners, stay tuned <laughs> in for all his podcasts. It, it'll be the next one up.
0: Appreciate you, man.
1: Yeah, bro. I'll you see know. you soon. Yeah, how we going? Peace, love, bro. God bless always.